Welcome to the eighth episode of ES2L 2024 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Halfstone. Joining me as always are the Canadian who we always wish would have a little bit more self-awareness, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the guy who never has a problem with a mess being caused when someone paddles too hard, David Bindley. Good morning. Good morning. For Fuzzy's information, this is technically not a delayed episode, although we are about 25 minutes late starting, both because Bindles had to herd some kids and because Logan was talking about Canadian Airlines. Spoiler alert, they are not good. The airlines or the kids? Yes. <laughs> Both. Spoiler alert, Logan has booked his flights to come to Europe in May. When he'll need them, who knows? Because as of the time of recording, we still don't have any information on Belkia. We are eagerly awaiting it probably tomorrow. Curse us for not doing a delayed episode this week. <laughs> yeah. We'll have Belkia news next week probably. On the fuzzy topic as well, she didn't even need the gamble last week. She smashed the bingo card, getting the center column, and she did also get a second column thanks to the gamble. But um, she got her first bingo card in like seven weeks, I think it was. Something like on that. the trot? No, it wasn't seven weeks on the trot. Oh, it's just seven weeks. God, no, she's not that good. Yeah, it's her third one this season, which is impressive, but uh, it's her first one in about seven weeks, I think it is. No, it must be five weeks. Five weeks. I apologise, Fuzzy. I know you'll abuse me for that. Maybe they'll be on the bingo card. What, Michael gets his maths wrong? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, also, in some more podcasty news, I think we may have decided what Historians is. Logan doesn't know it yet, but Bindles um, and I have pretty much locked it in, I think. Yeah, I'm happy with the choice. Okay, we'll go with that one then. We'll uh, probably discuss it after the episode. But yep. um, Anthony pick one? Uh, Ant hasn't picked his historians yet, no, but this is uh, this is for mole historians. We've decided ah, what it's okay. going to be. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm glad we're going to do Netflix mole for uh, historians. Yeah, I don't <laughs> even have to win a game of Jeopardy to pick them. You don't. You just ask me nicely and think of the uh, the season that I was talking about months ago, and we finally agree on it, so we go for that one. Yeah. There's a Jeopardy clip that went viral. It was an older Jeopardy clip. Uh, that went viral through, uh, I believe, through YouTube and Instagram. I saw it multiple times this week, where a contestant talks about going on her honeymoon. I've not seen it. Oh, it's just like she says, oh, um, I really wanted to go somewhere. Uh, I really wanted snow on my wedding, but I got nine inches on my honeymoon. Uh, <clears throat> and that was that was the clip. But they they kind of edited it to where... Trebek looks really shocked and the audience is laughing really hard. But that, I guess that didn't really happen. So we just put that in there to <laughs> make it just a, just for the extra comedic effect. She knew what she was doing. <laughs> um, I believe you had a bit of a sticky situation this week as well, Logan. <laughs> <laughs> you knew this was coming. Oh my God. Manna from heaven, these stories. <laughs> So me and my friend Charlotte, I went with her, her husband, and her 15-year-old son. It was her 15-year-old son's uh, first real concert. We drove a couple hours out of town to see Ice Cube in concert. So we stayed overnight at the Lakeside Hotel in Penticton. This is not an ad spot. This is free advertisement for them. And I guess because it's low season and the concert was on a Wednesday... Uh, I guess this is when they're choosing to do a lot of their renovations in the hotel lobby area. So when we checked in, it wasn't too bad. I mean, they did have a bunch of ladders everywhere and a bunch of construction going on inside. But they cleaned most of it up, especially in the evening after the concert was over. There weren't really any workers all in there. But at about 7 in the morning, I go outside to go for a walk. So I go down the stairwell down to the lobby. And there's just workers everywhere all over the lobby. After the fact, we concluded that they probably had workers in there from about 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. when nobody's checking in or out of the hotel and when they can make a reasonable amount of noise without pissing off all the guests uh, upstairs. So anyways, there are these workers in the near the stairwell, and I'm trying to step around all of their tools and be as least intrusive as possible. So I walk through this one spot that was completely dry and to avoid the worker. And there was another spot that looked just like it. I go to step in it and the worker that had watched me like must've been, I guess, just too focused on the work. Cause I was also walking slowly in case there was a 
tool or in case I couldn't step in that spot. But because I went through the first dry spot, I assumed everything was fine. And then I go to step into a similar looking spot. And then one of the workers says, dude, dude, you're, you're stepping in wet glue. And then he makes me walk over to the side, makes me take off my shoes. He takes my shoes, passes it off to somebody else. And I'm standing there in the lobby of the hotel against the wall, just in my socks, while I'm waiting for somebody to clean my shoes for about 10 minutes before I get my shoes back. So that's that's how I stepped in wet glue. And then I got back from my walk at about 9 o'clock. And then they had completely roped off the area to the stairwell just before the spot where I would have stepped in wet glue. And then they also had the elevator button completely occupied with two guys cleaning around it. So I couldn't use the stairwell. And using the elevator would be a big nuisance because they were using equipment to where they couldn't hear if somebody needed to use the elevator button to get into the elevator. So I waited in the other convention area section of the lobby and then cops come in because on the couches, I couldn't see it because the, the ends of the couches were too high. But I guess two people, two or three people decided to just sleep on those couches overnight. But I don't think they were like, they were homeless people because the cops just looked really bewildered and confused saying, like they were telling the people, what are you doing here? Uh, you know, you can't be here. Like, it wasn't like what I've usually seen where cops look annoyed and say, oh, okay, come on, you know, move, move it along. It was more of a, what are you doing here? <laughs> sort of expression. So, yeah, that was that was the wet glue story. It's quite extreme lens for the workmen to go to just to get to see your feet, isn't it? Mm. I mean, it's a weird way for them to get their kicks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just amazed there was no horses involved. <laughs> Although I suppose the glue is the after. Yeah, in, in the space of two weeks, we've gone from the start product of horses to sadly the end. Jeez. But there were no signs or anything saying, caution, wet glue ahead. <laughs> so previously, the final six thought to have an orchestra play the theme song, where Fonzie's frustration with Rianne grew. Four of them drove around town to pick up guests for a brunch with a ridiculous maximum before they returned to the scene of Tuska's execution to potentially see the future. However, it was Babs for whom the past repeated itself as she was sent home once more, this time for real. She gone. She gone! She gone. I had genuinely forgotten she was here when she turned up in the preview. Yeah. Last week feels ages ago, doesn't it? Yeah, like, I, I don't know how you can basically be in a season twice and still not make that much of an impression that by the time the next week rolls around everyone's just forgotten you were ever there yeah i think for me last week was such a blur because obviously we have alluded to this we had a terrible recording last week it was a pain in the ass (laughs) just a little i never want that to happen again it was awful yeah i was ready to punch my laptop well i have said this but there is a a clip that is never ever ever going to resurface of me basically just having a mental breakdown when my internet drops for the second time. But yeah, it was most fine to listen back to to that bit. So I think the combination of that being such a stressful record and the fact that I basically blacked out at the execution last week after Anna got saved, like, I did not remember much of last week with the exception of the orchestra. You didn't miss much. No. I mean, obviously we have the Integrity Will Be Rewarded twist, which I liked more than Netmol's version at least. But still, fuck off with the pot drains already. It is day 14 in Merida, and they are finally leaving and driving 6 or 7 hours in total to Bacalar. Case is apparently a jinx with his roommates, twice they've gone home now. Rihanna says they're all having fun when they're outside of the game, and we find out that Rosario is apparently a massive nerd, but he looks tough. I just love the implication that Rihanna loves everything about Vizdemol, except Vizdemol. Yeah, except everything to do with the physical activity required to do Vizdemol. At least you got to spend six or seven hours sitting down in the car. And this scene went on... As soon as I watched this scene, I was thinking, they are definitely only doing two challenges this episode. Because we see a very, it's very detailed, this, this fan ride, where they, ha- they, have, they make fun of Case, because Case is, uh, was like, yeah, this seven-hour bus ride is really long. And then Fonz is making fun of Case, saying, well, we have a different sleeping arrangement. 
or well, case uh, sleep alone again and case just cuts in saying, yeah, I've already had to have my own room twice on this trip because <laughs> no one wants to share a room with him, I guess, on uh, on the show. And then that's where the whole sleeping with him is a jinx, like not sleeping with him, but I guess sharing a room with him. He could have phrased it better. Uh, and then let's see. Yeah, Rosario is not surprised by the fawns. And then Anna decides to roast fawns. And then Case refers to Anna as being such an Amsterdam South person, which I didn't know there is a stereotype about being from Southern Amsterdam, but it was, I guess it was the equivalent to a diss because everyone had a very strong high school-esque, ooh, uh, <laughs> reaction to it. I know I mentioned this during uh, Amazing Race Australia 2 Historians, but it reminded me of the comment that Sarah made on Facebook about the twins being typical Sydney-siders. I'm like, that means nothing to us. <laughs> you know Sydney-siders? But yeah, you contrast this episode, which basically had nothing in it, with probably next week, where we've got at least two challenges. We've got the return of the fortune teller, We've got the final test, which has been guaranteed, and potentially another execution. Because I'm not convinced, skipping to the end of this episode, that we're going to have a final four anymore. I think we might still have an execution next week. Mm. There's a few little hints they've dropped that maybe there's going to be someone going home next week. With Case saying, yeah, Anna, you're really such an Amsterdam South person, he may as well have followed it up with, yeah... You're an Amsterdam South person, just like, or maybe a Rotterdam West person. It, it 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 has the same amount of meaning to us. So I don't know what the stereotype is there. Why the Southern Amsterdam is different from any other area within Amsterdam? But I guess if you're from the South, whoa, you really didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks. Even though I'm sure there's trains all over the city. So we have the family photo, Rosario looks to the side, and Rick says they travel to Bacalar, a place on a gigantic lagoon, and two of them now have an advantage over the rest. They know what's coming for the final test. I mean, they know ten of the questions on the final test. One of which, interestingly, was something to do with where was the mole in one of the third episode's challenges. So I don't know what they would have done if Babs was still in the game. Hmm. Presumably they would have had to add an option going the mole was still set out of that challenge. The mole yeah. was set out of that episode and the previous one and the one before. Or just leave it out because they know that nobody thinks she's the mole. Why waste their time with that extra option? And you know that another sign that I knew this episode was only going to have two challenges is because not only do they show everybody watching movies on their phones during the drive and taking naps during the drive, but then they proceed to have confessionals from contestants explaining that everybody is watching movies on their phones and taking naps during the drive. And I'm thinking that's that's something that we didn't need confessionals to explain. I think that's just something you can show on screen for one or two or three seconds. Maybe if Case drools in his sleep, you can show footage of that or another unflattering shot of Anna nodding off during the drive. But no, we don't need confessionals saying, yeah, I was watching a movie on my phone during this drive. This may be a controversial opinion, but what sort of psychopath watches a movie on a phone? The screen's too small. Anyone that's stuck flying with WestJet they don't have screens on their flights anymore? They encourage everybody to watch movies on their phones now? The episode title is Useful, and it's day 15 in Bacalar, and they're at the Hotel Bacalaria, which isn't a landmark. I have already tried to tag our... Um our banner in it, and it is not a landmark. Oh, you you did check? <laughs> yeah. uh, Rick meets them all individually, and asks them to talk quietly as the rest are looking on from a balcony. Oh, I thought it was because, I, I could have sworn it was because he was hungover. And yeah, because he was really hungover on the tequila that he got plied with the night before, because it was the day off for him. It was either that or watch a movie on his phone, so he's like, I'm not watching a movie on my phone, the screen's too small. Just give me some tequila instead to knock me out for the bus ride. Then we get a very familiar scene if you've watched Belgia Canary Islands, which you haven't been, also. Uh, I got halfway through, so I haven't seen this challenge. He asks them to rank the other candidates from most to least trusted. Anna says she trusts Rianne the most and Fonz the least. 
Case and Rosario are becoming increasingly interchangeable. Fonz trusts Rosario, Rian, Case, and Anna in that order. Case trusts Rosario the most and Rian the least. Rian trusts Rosario, then Anna, then Fonz, and Case. And we see that Rosario trusts Rian, but we don't know who he trusts the least. Is this section the first time all season it, like it's been mentioned on screen that Rosario is deaf? I think it's the first time it's been specifically mentioned that he has hearing aids, yeah. There's been yeah. references to it, but this mm. is the first time it's been actually directly said that he has hearing aids. Yeah. Because I know that I mentioned it at the start of the season that Rosario is uh, the first person with hearing aids on Bidham as far as I'm aware. Certainly the first person we've covered. And yet still has better hearing than Case. Well, he has better hearing because the hearing aids are turned up. I know enough people with hearing aids to know that if your hearing aids are turned up, you can hear quite a lot of things. It's an unfair advantage in some ways that Rosario could just turn his hearing aids up for this bit. Yeah, they're like, Rosario, what is Rick saying? Let me wait, wait a second. 80%, 90%, 100%, overdrive! <laughs> now I can hear. <laughs> Rosario is such a nerd that he actually hacked his hearing aids so that he could hear uh, the feed from Rick's microphone and actually knows who the mole is now. Yeah, like he actually like adjusted it to the same frequency. Channeled them on channel two. I am absolutely convinced that we will see at the reunion in a couple of weeks that the mole was having a proper chat with Rick about their actions so far and who suspects them and all that sort of stuff. There'll be something like that in this scene, I suspect. And my favorite confessional from this bit when everyone's being uh, interviewed is uh, Rosario saying he trusts he trusts Rianne the most because she puts everything into the missions. <laughs> and it's like, dude, have you seen the past seven episodes at this point? I mean, she probably is. She is probably putting in maximum effort. But that's his, that was the exact, his exact reasoning for why. I think, I can't remember if it was a confessional or what he said to Rick, but. Yeah, he said, yeah, I trust Rianne the most because she puts everything into the missions. <laughs> this is a brilliant episode for Rianne, I have to say. I mean, obviously, Rianne running anywhere is delightful. Rianne having to run for 45 minutes is even funnier. Well, with the lasers, with being shot at by the snipers, she was only running for about 33 minutes, probably. My favourite thing, though is the sheer amount of confessionals we get in this episode of Rianne just looking so over all of this shit. She looks so hot and bothered every time they cut to her in a confessional this episode. It's delightful. I genuinely don't know how she managed to still be sweaty in the confessional like 20 minutes after the challenge. After a change of clothes. Yeah. She's got a bandana on in the confessionals, and she's still roasting hot. It's so funny. So Rick tells them that as Rosario is the most trusted candidate, he will have a special position in the next assignment. Rianne was second, and she's got 45 minutes to play with, then Case with 35, Anna with 25, and least trusted Fonz with 15. They will be doing a laser game. On the playing field are different locations to complete assignments. The further from the starter is, the more that it will be worth up to €5,000 or Yokers. There are security guards who will knock two minutes off their playing time if they hit them and Rosario will be at the finish line where they must cross within their respective time limit and must convince him that they have taken money. If he lets them cross, they will win whatever they earned, whether it is yokers or money. If he shoots them and they have yokers, he will win them. I wish whenever they steal a challenge from Belgi, like as blatantly as they did with this challenge, they should just, right before the challenge start, right after Rick explains it, they should just cut to a pre-recorded video of Joe Costa just saying, this was stolen from Belgi. Now back to your show. <laughs> Positive from them stealing this challenge from Belkia, there is no pot drain element which there was in the Belkia version. Ooh. If Emmanuel has shot them and they had money, then that money came out of the pot, I seem to remember. I'm sure that was the original twist for this challenge. I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed it. Yeah. However, this is a contender for the worst laser game they've ever done. Yep. Because there were only, like, two people shooting them. Yeah. Where is the budget? I think, well, the two snipers still shot them, like, ten times. The 
the sniper bitch, as Rianne called her. She shot her six times going between Fon's and Anna's buildings. <laughs> yeah, because this was a this this looked like to be the smallest area they've ever ran around for a laser game. Plus, they had all of those safe zones too, where they could just hang outside of the area without being exposed to any potential damage. You think that would be? That's my biggest complain with challenge because I can understand using two snipers with a group that's not very athletic but just having them stand there while somebody is playing with the house of cards I feel like there could have been something else going on with the other contestants while they waited. Yeah it's too static like the problem that we have is that the Belkia version of this was still very kinetic even when people were building houses of cards because nobody had to wait outside. They were all doing their individual thing and they all had their individual timers and they could see them themselves. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if because I was thinking, I don't remember in Belgia version where everyone just stood there. <laughs> the timer was on their front in Belgia and they were all dotted around the, it was like an abandoned aircraft yeah. graveyard, a boneyard. Uh, that's the word I was looking for, a boneyard. So they were all dotted around that and they all could see their own times at the front and had to run back to Emanuela at the within their time. So it was a lot more kinetic and there was a lot more people doing things. But also, this is where Belkia has another advantage in the fact that I think this works a lot better with paintballs than with lasers. Because with paintballs, I mean, obviously, if there were paintballs, Rianne would have been even more battered and bruised than she was. (laughs) But I think with paintballs, there's the instant, oh shit, I've been hit aspect of it, rather than Rianne having to say to Case, Oh, have I been hit? What's my time? Like, mm. I know you want that interaction, but I think separating them all over a larger area and making them yeah. all do their individual challenges without knowing who still has time on the clock and whatever is a lot better a way to do this sort of a challenge than just making them stand outside for, in Rianne's case, like 30 minutes total. Yeah. It either needs more theme park or they need to do it at night. It just didn't have the atmosphere that it should have had. And I get yeah. that this was a brilliantly spooky location and I think it is just somewhere they found and it isn't a proper tourist attraction, which is why I couldn't find it on Instagram to tag it. But it needs some sort of atmosphere and it was really lacking doing it during the day, it being hot out and all that sort of stuff. And there only being like two people shooting at them. And I think we only actually saw one of them, which was the sniper bitch. Which is, sounds like also one of Kelly Kapoor's aliases from The Office. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the other element of this is, because you're forcing them all to stay together, the mole really can't do anything. If, I mean, I don't know Bindle's suspicions, I'm suspecting that you suspect Anna is number one still. If it is Anna, she got the lowest amount here in her room anyway, which does beg the question, why did they go to one that was further away from the start than... Uh, nearer and then go back to go towards Anna's. If it is her, she can only really impact 500 euros. She can, yes, fool Rosario at the end and uh, in reality cost the group 500 euros, but she can't really impact that much in this challenge unless she's in Rosario's position, which she was never going to be. Because, let's be honest, Fonz and Rosario both suspect Anna at this point. Yeah. They're not going to let her be in a key position or even have a whiff of a key position. So the mole really can't do anything unless they are in that key position that Rosario was in. In the Belkia version, the mole can do as many challenges as they want within their time. So there is more potential for the mole to screw around. Arguably, you probably don't want it given how low the pot was at this point. But the mole can't do much, which isn't isn't as fun in the end. Yeah, I was thinking maybe Anna went for the money because she would have known that Rosario put her dead last in his trustworthy ranking, so maybe she was trying to use some little reverse psychology there by going for the money, knowing full well that no matter what she said or did at the finish line, that he was going to going to shoot her anyway. So she can say, oh, you missed out on 500 euros, even though I knew no matter what you were going to shoot me because you don't trust me at all and you know that I'm the mole. But also, I think it's probably terrible tactics from the team, because you probably want to start off with the furthest one away, and then if Fon starts running out of time, you just send him to a nearer one, and you send someone else in. That's true, you'd want to go to the one that has the highest value when you have the most time on the clock, as opposed to, oh crap, there's only two minutes to make 
to make a house of cards. But instead, they go to the second nearest one, because they go to the thousand one. Then they backtrack and go to a 500 one for Anna's. Then they go further again to go for 1500 and 2000. The tactics on this just do not make sense in the slightest. Yeah. I don't think anyone did well in this challenge. No. Except Rosario. <laughs> the brilliant aspect of it, though, is Fonz being very surprised to be the least trusted person in the group. And him being genuinely hurt by it. He's mm. like, there's two of us who know who the mole is. What the hell? Why are you doing this? And on top of that, Rosario still has, hasn't confessed to looking inside the envelope. Fonz can say, well, everyone knows I looked inside the envelope. There's one person that hasn't even fessed up to it, yet I'm still ranked as the least trustworthy in the group. As a contestant, would you put your mole high or low on this list? Hmm... It seems like an easy answer, but I think you put your mole as high as possible because you want them to be in a position where they're tested and where they really actually have to justify their answers to people, I think. Yeah, really put them in the spotlight, or do you want to conceal your suspicions and just put them in the middle of the list? So you don't have somebody saying, wait a second, why is nobody trusting Anna? What am I missing from this? Because I put her really high. That could be what somebody else could be thinking when they see Anna's second to last in trustworthiness. Yeah, I, I, I think you sort of figure either the most trusted person or the least trusted person is going to wind up with a special role, and then you, you want to avoid them all getting that, so you put them in the middle. Yeah, I think you could game theory this sort of a, an interlude to work out who everyone else suspects them. If you go into it going, well, everyone's going to put their mole last, then if Fonz is last, you go, well, People must be suspecting Fonz, what the hell? And nobody suspects Rosario. So I think this is actually a very interesting interlude because you can get so much information out of it in theory. Mm. So Anna says the hotel appears to have been built with drug money to launder it and it was interrupted by the government and left unfinished. And Fonz is sent to the first mini challenge worth a thousand euros. He has to build a house of cards. One floor is worth money. Two is worth a yoker. And three is worth two yokers. He decides to make two floors, but it keeps collapsing. And meanwhile, the other three are just making deals to ice him out of any yokers they win. And he eventually, after eight minutes, gets a yoker and heads back to Rosario. I know I said this during Canary Islands. It is never interesting to watch people building a house of cards. No. I, li- I enjoyed watching Susie build a house of cards in Survivor Gabon. It is cool to see the return of the, uh, the fortune teller's cards as a sort of hint to what's going to happen next episode. But... Mm. Also, on top of that, like, it's just not interesting television. I mean, Fawn's got really sweaty and uh, just, no, I was going to say vomit on his sweater, mom's spaghetti. Uh, But, uh, and then Case Case looked like he was having a meltdown putting his house of cards together. But otherwise, not not the most interesting footage to watch. No, I, I really needed more Georgian circus clowns. Yeah. This challenge is made infinitely more interesting by, let's be honest, Rosario's actions, and Rianne's actions as well, to be fair. But mainly Rosario just getting drunk on power like Emanuela did. Like, it's quite impressive that the two times we've seen this challenge, or a variant of this challenge, both times the person in that most trusted position has gone drunk on power straight away. (laughs) Especially with Fonz. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Rosario does make Fonz do the Macarena, which is just a delightful piece of television. I like how Fonz didn't even catch on until after he got shot. He's like, why did he just scream out, hey, Macarena, and then shoot me? Oh, that's... I did the dance without even realizing it. My favorite part of it is that Fonz doesn't know his wrist from his elbow. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard of people not knowing their ass from their elbow, but Fonz doesn't even know his wrist from his elbow. That'd be funny if they had to reshoot that like three times where Fonz was screwing up left and right, where where there's unaired footage of Rosario saying, no, no, your other left, your other left, Fonz. Oh, dear God. I didn't know trying to get somebody to do the Macarena would be so difficult. For fuck's sake, I've not got enough time to make Rianne do the cha-cha slide now. What the hell? (laughs) 
I give up. Just sing sing Mumbo Number Five instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sing Mumbo Number Five, but replace all of the names with women who have competed on V as the Ball over the past ten seasons. <laughs> Uh, so Case, Rianne and Anna are all shot once each. Rianne keeps getting shot and is only 12 minutes ahead of Case by the time they get to the second room. Anna then goes into the 500 euro room. Their plan is that her and Case will go for two yokers each. Rianne will go for 2,000 euros and earn it. And they will share the yokers amongst everyone apart from Fons. Hey. Fons then has to do the Macarena and then gets shot in the chest repeatedly. Rosario does not do it once. He does it like three or four times just to make sure. Anna then switches plan and goes for the pot before running to Rosario. She tells him she's got cash because she doesn't want him to get yokers, and he shoots her again repeatedly. <laughs> Meaning, the most important part of this challenge is they have left the two oldest people in the cast doing laser game and having to run around a very hot Mexico. And then you can tell what Rosario thinks of Anna when he just screams at her, Out of my face! And I believe he yelled, yelled that in English, if I recall correctly. I'm thinking, whoa, Rosario, calm down, man. Macarena and screaming in people's faces. Rianne then manages to shoot the sniper bitch and buys them 10 seconds. And Case said he wanted to go for himself, but then realizes how hard it is to actually build a house of cards. He gives up at one layer and takes the 1500 euros. However, he still gets shot by Rosario. I wish they would have aired the scene where Case and uh, Rianne were so sweaty that when they tried to build a house of cards, that one of the cards just stuck to their arm from the sweat. Did you consider that maybe Rianne was at the Ice Cube concert as well, and that it wasn't glue that was in the uh, in the lobby? It was just that Rianne had kind of left a, a sweat trail by that point. Yeah, it was Case and Rianne's just uh, perspiration on the floor. <laughs> she was just doing sweat angels in the uh, in the lobby because there was no one else around. Yeah. The sweat mixes with dry glue, and you've got yourself a real sticky situation. Rianne then gets overheated and struggles to even build a layer. She builds one layer using her sweat as glue and takes the 2,000 euros. Rosario says he doesn't believe her, but he does trust her and lets her pass, meaning they earn 2,000 euros of 5,000 for the challenge. Yeah, overall, Rosario still comes out as the good guy, because the only person he didn't shoot was bringing in the most money anyway. And I like how all throughout the challenge, everyone was so dead set on getting yokers. They said, well, I mean, we've only got 5,000 euros, so clearly we're not doing the show anymore for the money. (laughs) It has to be a lesson to production at this point. They air a conversation between people going, well, we've got bugger all in the pot anyway, so we might as well just go for personal advantage. They Mm. have to find a way to increase the prize of this show. I know we've said it almost every season now for the past three or four, but I think this episode showed there's a problem that if everyone thinks that they're just not going to get above five or thick, six, I said that with the lisp, oh no, a lisp, a lisp, a a lisp, a lisp, I'm being possessed by the lisp, a slater. <laughs> Please tell us more about the drop method. Three, Matt. <laughs> not this again. Next, we'll be writing a list of Rachel Riley jobs like it's 2018 Ooh. all over again. <laughs> but yeah, after the challenge, there's only they're only like five euros up on where they were at the end of episode two. Yeah, they get 80 euros in the last challenge. That's ludicrous. Yeah. Rosario, you, on top of the conversation of, well, we may as well go for Yokers because we're only at like 5,000 euros and we know there's only a couple episodes left. We get an additional confessional from Rosario saying, eh, uh, yeah, I shot Anna, and yeah, she had 500 euros, but 500 euros? Eh, whatever. What they desperately need, and what every season desperately needs, as we will hopefully find out with the new season of Dutch Traitors, is this season needs an Olche, where it's just money, 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 nothing else. I don't give a shit who you are, I want money, I love money, this needs to happen. Yeah. Or a, yeah, either an old Che or a Lloyd. Lloyd was always had that mindset too in uh, Belgia. They need someone who is in that group, basically strong arming everyone into just taking money and making the mole's job hard. Because as much yeah. as whoever the mole is in this season, Anna, as much as they are probably the best of Rick's moles, maybe maybe second after Rob, but certainly mm. the best for a while. Their job has been very easy this season because these people don't give a shit about money. And that's a problem in casting. Yeah, you've got 
people who don't give a shit about money. You've got impossible challenges. You've got pot drones out the wazoo. And then you've got the fact that there aren't as many challenges as normal anyway. So, of course, they're not making any money. Yeah, I was about to say, I was thinking the standard used to be it was always three challenges per episode, right? It was usually yeah. 27 for the season. Yeah, they they used to manage to do it with like 55-minute episodes. And this season has been mostly between 55 and 60-minute episodes. And yet they're still only doing two challenges in most of the episodes. Yeah, it was three challenges for ages and ages and ages. And then sort of they, they gradually went to, well, we'll do one episode a season that's just one big challenge like Elba or the one in Albania that was, you know, an episode and a half of like searching a submarine or whatever it was. But then sort of last year and this year, they've sort of gone back and settled on two challenges most weeks and then a third one that's maybe a bit smaller or not really a challenge challenge, like stacking the rocks or the analog test. And I don't think that makes as good of a TV show. No, it can only be because of budget. Yeah. Let's be honest. This is probably a budget cut, as is probably the lower price part. But if you put civilians into this season, Mm. would civilians really want to be playing for, until this challenge, 5,505 euros? No, of course they wouldn't. But even if it is a budget cut, they still manage to do really cheap challenges, you know, in Hong Kong and El Salvador and, like, you know, that sort of era. There There were challenges that were, you know, just... Here's a bunch of planks. Go build a fish, and like that sort of thing. Like you know, the, like the matchstick puzzles. They managed to turn that into a challenge. They had more going on than ninety percent of the challenges this season, where they're doing big, big things like running around an Olympic stadium and climbing a cliff, and you know, getting an orchestra to play the theme. But even even with the big challenge and the big visual and the psych gag and all that sort of stuff, nothing is happening. Yeah. If you think about it, since the end of episode one, they've earned just over a thousand euros. Since the end of episode one? Yeah. Episode one ended with six and a half thousand euros of eight and a half thousand for the season so far. Ignoring, obviously, the four thousand euro difference that we have in our maximums. They're only on 7585 by the end of this episode. And they were 7500 at the end of week two. So the last six weeks or so, they've earned the grand total five euros yeah like that should not be a statistic no and i get that probably the six grand challenge in episode one didn't go the way they hoped it would so they had to claw back some of that money but it is ludicrous to think that they have earned 85 euros in six episodes Hmm. that is less than logan is probably going to pay for a flight to antwerp in May. That's less than Logan paid the horse. <laughs> I get that obviously there are budget cuts and things and stuff going on behind the scenes and things like that, but as a television product, it's inherently unsatisfying to just be so blatantly cheap. Yeah. I would also add that if they are unable to, let's say they have a cap of, realistically, we don't want contestants having anything above, say... Eight or nine thousand euros for the season, then don't give them the opportunity to easily earn six thousand five hundred euros of it through episode one. Make it so it's a bit more gradual. Maybe you just have one major pot drain during the season, and let's say they earn anywhere between five hundred to two thousand euros per episode. So it doesn't feel like after six rounds. And I'm sure this is what contributed to the contestants saying, well, we'll just go for Yokers because clearly they're not going to give us opportunities to really add money into the pot. Yeah, you got to have some sort of incentive for them to try. Because right now, I think based on what they were saying in the laser game, it seems like the contestants think, well, production's not going to, you know, I know they didn't directly say it, but I think indirectly they're saying production's not going to allow us to add more than to maybe 3,000 euros for the rest of the season, let's just go for the Yokers now, because if we earn, say, three or 4,000 euros for this challenge, there's definitely going to be a pot drain before the end of the season because production has set a clear cap on what the winner can take home uh, after they win. Yeah, and the other elements of it, I would say, is off the back of what we were talking about last week. If you're going to cut a major expense, cut the live finale. 
Yeah. As much as I joke about, oh, do you know that I went to the mall finale? It's not as satisfying an experience as the Belkia one, which is obviously, as a show, done on a much smaller budget. But it's not as fun because you're standing in the cold for five hours or whatever. It's more fun to watch it on television than it is to actually be there. And therefore, if that's the case, more people are watching it on TV, focus on the television product. Make it a proper reunion again. Film it maybe on the afternoon of the Saturday so you've got at least a little bit of time to edit it. But if you do that, you've got a tighter television product, you can fit more hints in, and on top of that, they're going to be dropping a bomb of money on doing the live finale, especially the first one in five years. Yeah. Where people are actually there and people can actually attend in Fondle Park. And it's not like the live finales are even good TV. No. Usually with the reunions, especially when it's a live one, we do like 25-minute episodes for those ones. I can't wait for that one, to be honest. It's going to be great fun for me. An easy edit. But yeah, if you're going to drop an expense, don't drop the part. Don't drop the challenge budget. Drop the live finale. Just pre-record it. Make your lives easier. That turned into like a 10-minute rant. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, I was going to cut in and say, the reason why we're tarping on this subject so much is because I have nothing to say about the next challenge. No, neither do I. And neither do I. So this is going to be a very quick end of the episode. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. There's something that does happen before it. Let's see. They, they share information about questions that could come up on the quiz, including the question... What's the strangest place you've been to? And no one no one has too crazy of an answer here. Yeah, your answer would obviously be the local staples, Saunders. <laughs> okay, French. <laughs> I thought I'd cut in there before Bindles and Nevis. We did the exact same joke. And then Rosario has to maintain his poker face of, I have no idea what questions we should be asking each other for for a quiz. And then we get the one pretty lagoon in the area, and mm. now it's time for Michael to explain the challenge, because, yeah. Yeah, before we do that, the last half hour of the episode, the most exciting thing is Fonz sort of sarcastically managing to be impressed by the like the finger illusion. Yeah, I know this is Rianne's episode, especially as she does end up going home, and she is a delight in most of this episode. But Fonz, again... Very sneaky funny during both of these challenges. Spoilers, the banner is yet again Fonz. Just huffing in the lagoon, looking really fucked off with everyone. Because it was the thing that made me laugh the most that wasn't Case having a nervous breakdown when trying to stack a house of cards, which was impossible to screenshot because it would have been the banner this week. Again, Fonz is just A-plus casting. And I think the A-plus casting on this season is being let down by production being a bit cheap and lazy. Yeah. This is a really, really good cast if you look back on it. So Rick meets them at the one pretty lagoon in the area, otherwise known as the Mariscal Lagoon, which also isn't taggable on Instagram. In the water are 55 words which they must use to make five grammatically correct sentences with. Each word that is correctly placed earns them 30 euros for a total of 1650 However, each word grab must be used in a sentence, and any unused ones will, of course, cost them money from the pot, to the tune of 100 euros. Fon says the least trusted candidate will be making the words, leaving the other four in glass-bottom kayaks grabbing the words. Please book the candidates to the chaos. (laughs) I think we have a bit of a long-running theme on this podcast of any challenge where there is just some sort of dense Dutch linguistic aspects of it, we just immediately shut off. We are basically Rosario without hearing aids as soon as this challenge happens. I guess uh, I I was talking about this in our chat earlier, but this challenge could have been really uh, abbreviated. They could have made this so much shorter. It It would have also made the challenge a lot funnier too. Because, for example, when Fonz gets frustrated saying, I have, like, no verbs to use. I cannot put a sentence together. And he's shouting out, verbs, verbs. And everyone's saying, what? What's he saying? What? Verbs, words, worms, adjectives? And then we get confessionals on top of it from everybody. All four of them saying, I couldn't hear Fonz. I couldn't hear what Fonz is saying. I couldn't hear what Fonz is saying. It just kills the whole comedic uh, effect of what's happening. 
if they made it much more shorter of just Vaughn's screaming verbs and then everyone just reacting to it, maybe just with one or two words of, huh, what did he say? Did he say worms? And not have it be, have the joke explained by the contestants in a confessional, that would have made it so much better. Or go the route of maybe staying in a bit longer of just Fawn's yelling out verbs all throughout the challenge. Instead, it's seeing each person talk about how to use the, the magnetic wire multiple times and then talking about the how the other team is using the magnetic wire in like three or four confessionals when from very early on in the challenge, it's, it's established that uh, Anna is much better at using the magnetic wire than uh, Rosario and Rianne. But instead, it turns into five minutes of both teams explaining that Anna was better with the wire than the other team. That's my gripe with the challenge. It, it's, it should have just been much shorter. Yeah, this challenge, it's already an uphill battle for us because of the language theme. But you can't really see the magnets on the camera. You can't really, you know, see which words they're picking up. Really, they, they probably would have been better off just sitting them at a table, giving them 55 cards with the words, and just being like, you've got 10 minutes to make five sentences. If you do that, you win 1,500 euros. And just watch them argue. And then, you know, maybe use the lagoon for something else. This was a really bad challenge. This was maybe the worst challenge of the season so far. And bear in mind, you know, we've had stack rocks, but not even for money as a challenge. I think I just summarized the whole what happened, the whole like 20 minutes of airtime in my two minute rant. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, like I obviously didn't enjoy this challenge, but they're going back to the lagoon next week by the look of things. So they literally didn't need to do this challenge. Yeah. And this challenge actually touched on another one of my regular gripes, which is adding rules halfway through the challenge. Because you have, oh yeah, you're going to be grabbing the words, but also you've got to use a magnet to get them. And oh yeah, you can only bring five words back at a time. It's like, just give them a chance, for the love of God. And, and we also see that they're so shallow in the lagoon they are, that they could, probably could have just reached out of the boat and grabbed the cards. Yeah. I do have a theory on why this challenge was included, and it does go back to something in the intro. I know we've uh, sort of touched upon the shredding the notes that was in the intro, but we see a clip from this challenge, which is the word mole being pulled. I think that's a hint. And we do find out in this challenge who was the one who pulled the word mole. Because Anna, Anna? Anna literally says, I have mole. Yeah. So I think that's a hint to Anna being the mole. And I know this is me being tunnel vision and in two weeks it'll be, oh shit, we're all wrong and you've got zero points on the suspect list to get. But if Anna is the mole, that is 100% a clue. Yeah. And the one final fun bit of this challenge is, of course, Rihanna and Rosario being a liability and crashing into Fonzie's line. <laughs> she, she, she was about a foot away from using Fonz's ass as a kayak dock. Yeah, it was hilarious because Fonz is by that point so annoyed at both of them for Rosario not being able to paddle and Rianne just not being able to do anything in this challenge apart from sit down, which is what she's good at during this yeah. season. Like, he's so pissed off with them by this point. And then they bring words back and just immediately try and careen into him. He's like, yeah. guys, stop trying to kill him. Yeah, he's, he's already over the shit and then he gets a boat in the butt. And then afterwards, the boat's return and quote-unquote support funds in reality heckle him while he's trying to put sentences together. <laughs> yeah. I think they could have put a third sentence together if it wasn't for them just yelling nonsense from the background. <laughs> just let the man work. Yeah. Although to be fair, you do have to please book the chaos to the candidates. So Rick confirms that they made two sentences, one a nine-word sentence, one a seven-word sentence, but they had four words left over, which means they get docked 400 euros of their 480 that they won for a total of 80 euros of 1650 for the challenge, 2080 of 6650 for the episode, and 7585 of 100,759 euros for the season so far. And I've just redone the maths because I think I was pretty wrong on it last week. And I did mean to do it. And while you guys were talking, I checked them all. So I'm pretty sure that that is the correct number now. Yeah. I like how the that please book the chaos to the candidates or please book, yeah, or please book the candidates to the chaos. How 
it sounds like a sentence that was translated from Dutch to Japanese back to Dutch in Google Translate. And uh, I was thinking at the start of the challenge, when especially when Fonz was yelling out, I need verbs, all I can think is, they're making it really obvious that Rianne and Rosario are only bringing back two words at a time when they could bring back five. So the obvious uh, sabotage would be, ooh, they didn't bring as many words compared to Anne and Case. But it, they made it very clear that Anne and Case could not hear Fonz's request for verbs. So I'm thinking that Anne and Case brought back a lot more words for Fonz, but didn't bring back any verbs so that it's like, yeah, here you have... 20 words, but they're all nouns. Good luck making a sentence with that. Yeah, because that way you lose the money. Yeah, which brings me to my next question, which is, what would you do if you were a mole in this challenge? Because that is 100% correct. It's not you bring back too few words, because that doesn't lose money from the part. It's you bring back too many words and make it too hard for the sentences to be built. Plus, Anna operated the wire for the whole challenge. I think Case only paddled the whole challenge, right? He never used the wire? Yep. Case was always paddling, Anna was always fishing, and Rihanna and Rosario kept swapping. Yeah, because neither of them could do either, effectively. Yeah. So it's now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole who have no sleeves goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. Rosario has a yoker. Rihanna's always worries. She has no yoker or exemption, and Fonz has said to the mole that he knows more about the mole than the rest of them, and one of them still hasn't come clean about seeing the questions. She suspects Fonz and Case... Case has been her top suspect for ages, and Fonz is just messing around. Case says it bothers him that Rihanna is the mole and could be playing the role of her life. Why does he not suspect Anna, and why does he trust Rosario? Rosario is 100% playing his yoker as a way to get to episode 9. He's betting on one person, as it is that time in the season. And the yoker is yet again reflected in the image. When Rosario plays the yoker, the image is reflected. Huh which we have seen this season before when Rosario and Babs were doing their weird spit boncher scene. The mm. image was reflected, and I don't think we really talked about it too much at the time because it's obviously going to be a clue. But again, the yoker is reflected here. Mm. The words are backwards. Fonz is Anna's number one suspect. She's answering most questions on him. He's been super shady and weird since the beginning, but tries to make everyone else suspicious. And Fonz said you need to be on a maximum of two people now. In his previous test, he went 80% on one person, so he's doing that again. Rick says that the end of the journey is almost in sight, as is the end of splitting on the test. Have they worked out who the mole is, and have the last two assignments given them any doubts? Rianne's name is the first to be typed in, and it is an instant red screen, leaving Anna as the last woman standing. She gone! She gone, she gone. indeed. We're nearly... Well, this will be probably the last time we say this season. She gone. Because if anyone goes home next week, it'll be he gone. They all gone. Interesting to note as well, and the reason that I think we're probably getting an execution next week, is Rick usually, when it's about to be the finale, he will say, let's find out who our finalists are. He didn't say anything about them being finalists. Mm. Mm, that's a good point. I think we got someone saying... You know, they're in the semi-final now as well. I didn't pick up on that, but Rick 100% didn't say they were finalists. We didn't mm. see anything in the preview to say V.S. de Mole, mm. which means that yeah. it's probably going to be a cut after that. And also, I think the fortune teller may very well be a method of execution. Yeah. I reckon, given that we see at least three people in the fortune teller's tent if not anna as well i can't remember whether we see anna in the tent in the preview but we definitely see the three guys i think the fortune teller is actually going to be halfway through the episode they're going to do a test they're going to then go into the fortune teller's tent and the do you want to see the future will actually be you're seeing your screen right now that's my suspicion on it i think we're getting a mid-episode execution next week or alternatively It'll be a whodunit style thing where all of them will go into the fortune teller's tent. Three of them will get a green screen and go to the final reveal location. And one of them will get a red crystal ball and go straight home. Yeah. I think it'll be something like that. That's what I would do in the situation, obviously. Hmm. So Rianne says she was very proud of her gut feeling, but was completely wrong. She enjoyed the game immensely and she will miss everything about it. Apart from, you know, the physical activity. And the only person who brought money in this episode is eliminated. Yep. 
Well done, everyone involved. Perfect, no notes. Now the words that I've been waiting to say for eight weeks at this point. In the pool, with Rianne leaving, Michelle has finally lost her first person, leaving her with Rosario in case. Logan still has Fonz and I have Anna. I can also confirm no switches were requested, meaning the teams are now locked. On first suspicions, seven people, Shah, Femke, Mateus, Sven-Derek, Bindles, Logan and Michelle, all lost their ninth or tenth suspicion, while two people, Sandra and Jason, lost their first suspicion with Rianne going. The current joint leaders, with a score of 14, where the minimum is 10, are Shah and our very own Michelle Pierce-Denovan. She's actually winning something this season. On the other end of the scale, Fuzzy is still the worst with a score of 25, but he's now joined by Fly101. In the adjusted averages, Anna is now on 1.63, Fonz is on 2.37, Case is on 2.79, and Rosario is on 3.21 out of 4. I haven't done this section for the rest of the season, but I'm going to do a suspect list section because it'll remind me in a couple of weeks to actually do the live results. This week's question is, did the mole get a special role this week? Brig has already criticised me for that question. You know what I mean by it. Was the mole singled out for a special role in one of the two challenges? Stop being a pedant. There are also only two weeks left to use your yoker if you haven't already. Use it or lose it. There will not be any special reminders next week. Final few questions then. Number one, do you think there'll be a mid-episode execution next week? Yes. Yes. And number two, who do you think it'll be? Case. Case. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, not to piggyback on you guys, and obviously I've predicted Logan would lose someone the past two weeks to finally make Michelle lose someone, but yeah, I think the writing is on the wall for Case. He did suspect Rianne, we reckon, I suspect yeah. the only reason that he did survive over Rianne was the fact he was suspecting a woman and she wasn't. Mm. If there is a mid-episode execution, it's kind of got to be Case next week. Yeah. The Dutch suspects this week, Case has dropped to second place now. Anna is in first with 33%, Case on 31%, Rosario on 19 and Fonz on 17 Anna is up 10% from last week, Case is on no change, Fonz has dropped 1%, and Rosario is up 6 from last week. So it's basically between Anna and Case, it looks like. Anna has now finally edged ahead again. Because nobody suspects Case anymore. It's great. Mm. The real question, of course, is who do we suspect? And we are down to just our top suspects this week. Because Fonz has inspired us to just go for one person now. So my order, starting with who's going to be the one in my suspect list, uh, is uh, Anna. Oh, that's a shot. Anna's at the top of my suspect list this week. Followed by Rosario, Fonz, and then Case. I'll say this now. I think I had this conversation with Bindles last week. If Anna is the bowl, our end of season bit is going to be very boring. Because it's going to be, oh, who won the suspect list? It was me and Bindles because Logan missed a week. Who won first suspicions? Yeah, that was me as well. And um, on our weekly suspicions, yeah, all of us suspected Anna nine times. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's fun. Like, it's not even like she's a bad mole if it is her. It's just, you know, the first week was a bit of a giveaway and nothing since then has changed our minds. Yeah, we haven't really discussed the other theory about the mole enjoyed shaking hands with you, and that is that there is a theory that the old mole was also in the crowd and that Mm. that may be what the fortune teller was referring to. Yeah. Especially if the old mole swapped out for the new mole when it was their turn to do the receiving line. But yeah... We have suspected Anna every single week. It's it's not been as predictably boring as you'd think it would statistically. Yeah. But also, I mean, I am going for the record of being the first back-to-back pool winner here. I kind of need to keep with my suspicion of Anna. It's Anna, and then by default the other three. It's Rosario, Case, and Fonz in in my order this week, but I don't think it's any of those three. I'm like 99% is Anna at this point. Yeah. What's your order? Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm still here. Anna, Case, Fonz, Rosario. I think if Case isn't going home next week, I think the only other logic that makes sense is for him to be the mole. But I also don't think it's him. I mean, if it's Anna or, or Case, at least we've got another archetype they've used as a mole this season. That's what we can cling on to. Is yeah. At least it's not another young male mole. Yeah. For like the 17th season in a row. Anything else you guys want to say? No. Nope. 
please, just please, whatever you do, everybody, just please book the candidates to the chaos. Yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, book the candidates to the chaos. On that note, thank you for listening to our VSTMOL 2024 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mall in Mexico. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, TV Warriors. Or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Logan is on the artist formerly known as Twitter at LogSpookWacky. Ben is as a Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles. We will see you next week. Peace out, and just chill till the next of flavoring. That isn't what I meant when I said I wanted to boat about fonts. Mary Beth prayed for snow on her wedding day. Yes, I did. It was 32 degrees and no snow on my wedding day, but I had eight inches on my honeymoon.